Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. This is episode 251 at the end of December as we approach uh, the end of the 2022. Our guest today is Scott Calissimo. And Scott, uh, I received a number of emails uh, from a new product. The Consumer Electronics Show is on the horizon uh, next month in Las Vegas, Nevada, which I always look forward to. It's um, just about anything you can imagine that's tied to electricity is there. And uh, all different shapes and sizes and new products and familiar faces through the years. Big companies, small companies, and new companies. And um, that's where we uh, tie in our guest today, Scott um, welcome to our podcast. Could you uh, give us a brief introduction of, of what you'll be presenting uh, at CES and um, what it's all about? Just a good overview. Sure. So this is Scott Colosimo. I'm the CEO at Land Energy, and we manufacture electric bicycles, um, motorcycles, and mopeds. And I think the interesting thing is these are all really software-defined vehicles. So as we move to electric, the software really defines the product more than um, it ever has. And um, the real kind of interesting tech that we're pulling the thread on and exploring is our swappable battery tech. Yes. Um, and these are, these are connected batteries, which means... Um, that we can upgrade the vehicle, our vehicles or other people's vehicles, through the connected battery. And we think that's a pretty uh, pretty in- interesting tech that we're pioneering. That's great. Was, uh, have you done some studies or what? how did this idea come to the forefront that um, various user groups would be using this uh, technology? Yeah, so, you know, there's there's various ways you can go about product development. Um, but you know, my group has about 15 years of experience in the two wheel market. So we, um, started, founded and scaled up, a um, gas motorcycle company. We have quite a bit of experience in the motorcycle realm with, uh, you know, new product innovation and kind of business model innovation. Um, but we didn't, use that experience to say, you know, this is how things have to go. Um, We started with using the product and through using the product, uh, we identified a couple key benefits that if you, you know, really looked at electrification on what it's good at um, and you just don't look at it as a, you know, a transition from gas to electric motorcycles. If you strictly look at the technology, um, what you can do with it, um, you know, how the software improves it, then you've got a really interesting um, mix of, you know, hardware and software. And a lot of what we've done has just come through our, um, you know, we go through these kind of rapid development cycles where we use product, we invite other people in to use product, and then we document what we like, what we don't like. Um, And obviously we've cataloged a bunch of the consumer's concerns. Like I'll give you one concrete example. Um, The battery always comes up as a big um, a big fear of a lot of the consumers, you know, the reality is the batteries can last, uh, 10 plus years, but it still is a, a major fear of consumers. So by making the batteries simply swappable, when new technology comes out, um, there's no, you know, physical unbolting or there's no real changes you need to make to our, um, 
our, our vehicles, you can simply swap in new energy. Um, and then the existing energy packs work great for, you know, secondary storage backup, or, um, you know, we could buy them back to use them in um, energy storage. So, you know, that's a, we, we take a very, I would say realistic approach to product development. Um, you know, we're offering real benefits right now. We're not trying to push tech for tech's sake. Um, that's just not really our focus. You're right. I, my biggest fear is the batteries because they're expensive. Um, it looked like, and you certainly correct me here, it looked like you had like three different battery combinations. You have a, you could use one battery that's a big battery, a small battery, or a combination with two batteries. So that it gives you three different battery packs, if you will, uh, watt hours. Is that correct? Yeah, so there's a couple different um, customer scenarios that we've envisioned. Um, you know, if you're like most of kind of the Midwest or, you know, even Sacramento, a lot of people will have garages. Sure. So for that consumer, you don't necessarily need the swappable pack. Um, so a, a lot of the consumers are like, I have a garage, I'll just charge it at night. They're opting for our, our big pack, the 6.4 kilowatt hour pack. Um, but there's a lot of consumers that are younger and either have a shared parking garage, you know, don't have access to outlets in the garage or just need to be able to charge the power anywhere. And that's where our smaller, the 2.2 kilowatt hour packs make a lot of sense because they weigh about 28 pounds. Um, while not super light, they're not super heavy. And it does offer you the ability to pull them out, charge them at the office or charge them at home on any standard outlet. So um, we're, we're really looking at kind of how to optimize our product platform and how to make it extend kind of past one or the other user. Now we know from our research that most consumers aren't really riding more than 30 miles a day on an average day. Um, so for example, our two smaller battery packs give you about 80 miles of range. So it's well over that. And then our big battery pack, which we call core plus gives you up to 120 miles of range. Um, so, you know, we're actually, we're at the kind of upper echelon with the big pack of range limits, but if you're going for a weekend or you want to go for a leisurely extended ride, you know, outside of commuting, um, we offer options for, for the consumers. I was thinking that you could, uh, for the most performance, especially on, like, say, your, what you call the district scrambler, I believe it is, that the off-road tires, if you wanted to, the most performance would be the, the smallest, lightest battery, right? As long as you weren't going for, you know, s super extended time. Lighter weight's better. That's right, and you've kind of hit on what what we see as our our kind of niche is so we make a transitional product that can be different things to different people based on um, how you you set it up so um, through the software we can make it an e-bicycle an e-moped a commuter motorcycle or a performance motorcycle and this is really through the software but to be able to do that we had to start with a robust and lightweight platform um, and I think everything we've done is look at this is more than a, a motorcycle because there's unique benefits the electrification bring. Um, and there's certain things that we feel electric motorcycles don't do well. So when you get real heavy and you get real big and you try to compete with 
um, you know, thousand CCs or what are called like leader class bikes. Sure. Electrification, it just isn't as good. And like, we're not tech evangelists. We're, this is not like a religion to us. Like it is to some people. We are very realistic about where the technology is, like where it's best to implement it. And lightweight is, is key. So our bikes start around 180 pounds. And, you know, while some people might say, Hey, that's, um, that's heavy. Even small 250 gas motorcycles are around 300 to 350 pounds. So starting at a, a 180 pounds is really well below industry average, especially if you consider the range that you get, um, and the usability you get from, um, you know, bicycle all the way up to motorcycle, um, and, you know, that's just a, a very kind of realistic approach we took, which is lightweighting, uh, you know, minimizing, so reducing components that aren't needed, um, you know, not putting on frivolous body work or making it, um, you know, exceptionally heavy. Uh, so the, the approach we took is very much one of kind of a minimalist look on the, the design, which, of course, leads to lightweight. So in theory, you could drive this thing on the bike trail, um, assuming they allow class two e-bikes, which I think most of them do, if you had it in that mode and then you go for two miles on the bike trail and hit the national forest and then open that thing up to, I think you call it performance e-motorcycle, you could have some fun there and then ride it back again. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty good stuff pretty, to pretty have. versatile. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'll give you another example. So my 11 year old son, um, Enzo is enthralled with everything that goes from snowboards to bicycles to e-bikes. Um, and of course, you know, dad runs a, uh, you know, electric vehicle company. So sure. he wants to come here and get on the bikes. So of course I was away at the meeting, uh, a meeting up the street and my guys send me videos of Enzo riding on our, our bike. And I'm like, cool, you know, no problem. Um, until he did what all, you know, young boys or girls would do, which is push the limits. And he started getting out of e-bike mode and the e-moped mode. And, um, you know, I said, Henry, this is dangerous. So because our bikes are connected, he said, Hey, let me put a, a nanny mode on the bike so you could lock it down into e-bike mode. You can leave it home and you can ensure compliance with your son. Make sure he does not get it out of e-bike mode. Um, you should call and, that en you know, Enzo real. mode. Enzo mode, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. But, but see, that's where the real benefit of having a connected vehicle sure. comes in because we didn't have that software on the vehicle when we released it. Um, and then we listened to consumers. We said, okay, what's, we've solved to, or at least we've addressed the, um, one of the biggest issues, which is uh, the energy, right? Um, what we didn't want to do is, uh, what a lot of vehicles are doing right now is they're doing uh, what's called like structural battery. And again, in some vehicles, it makes sense. I, I don't think it makes sense in motorcycles because um, they're taking an old paradigm, which is your engine, which can last for, you know, a hundred years and they're hanging the motorcycle. So they're using the engine as a stressed member yes. and they're hanging the motorcycle off of it. And you reduce weight and th there's various reasons to want to do that. But that engine is never going to need to be replaced. It's never going to need to be updated or upgraded. Um, it will last a very long time. Um, since the energy is, is moving and evolving so rapidly, you know, in five years, you might be able to double or triple the amount of power in the same space. And it would, it would be foolish for us to not allow um, kind of upgrading and expanding. 
So, you know, this is a approach we've kind of taken through the, the whole vehicle, through the whole, whole development of this. So, um, you know, we're, we're really looking at consumer benefit and, and that's where this whole platform to us really starts to emerge because it's small, it's lightweight, it's upgradable. Um, so we addressed the battery concern and then we had another concern that consumers were saying about stealing the vehicle. What if it gets stolen? So we got back with our engineering team and our coding team who said, well, we already have the connectivity module. It's got geolocation. Let's enable the consumers to access this. And uh, when they lock the bike, if anybody moves it before they unlock it, it will give you a text message and show you on the app where the vehicle is. And again, this was not on the bike when we released it. This is something we um, kind of listened to the consumers and said, okay, well, we can address that through the technology. We pushed the software update, and now all the vehicles have geolocation um, to address, you know, if it's stolen, you can alert the authorities or, you know, of course, you can go find it. So, um this is where we're really excited about the technology is, is really leaning heavily into the consumer benefit. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, something else I thought about that you need to do, maybe you're already working on it, is a conversion kit to a uh, snow bike. Ever thought about it? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so we were, we were going to do that last winter, um, but we got enthralled with ice racing. Oh, okay. So we studded up. <laughs> so we st- mm-hmm. so there bruce so there <laughs> yeah okay never mind <laughs> uh, well so uh, our factory is only 500 feet from lake erie um so i'm oh, looking wow. right at the lake right now um so we were going to do the the trap kit um uh-huh. one of our early investors is a um uh he's an oval track dirt racer and dirt racers in the winter in cleveland they transition a lot of them to ice So uh, we did a clinic at his shop and he showed us how to stud up tires. Uh, Each member of our um, uh, team here decided to stud up their own tires and we went ice racing. So snow bike this year. Yes, absolutely. But we got so hooked on, um, on just hitting up the ice last year that we just never got to the, uh, the the snow track. It sounds like this technology is kind of like I was, uh, telling james here earlier before we started was that this is kind of like a smartphone um back in the day when all we had was the regular the dumb phones and like well who needs a smartphone and who's gonna want it who's gonna use it what are you gonna do with it blah blah and that's what this is you don't know where this is gonna go we doubt you're at the, the the cutting edge if you don't mind the cliche something new what's interesting though is the technology that goes into the drivetrain um will last a very long time so that you know having a lot of experience in the manufacturing space uh you know in the electronic space uh, my cfo ran a connected device company for a while um scaled it and, and sold it but um we understand where the hardware has to be and since these are electric and there's very few moving parts these chassis will last the vehicles will last hundreds of thousands of miles and by putting the data center, the connectivity, you know, the IOT, the Internet of Things, the connectivity and the battery, um, and making it swappable, in a lot of ways, we're ensuring that that kind of core, the, the tech core, can always be updated and upgraded many, many years into the future. And 
and that's really what's important to us. So yeah, in many ways it's like a smartphone. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want the vehicle to be thrown away. I mean, that is very wasteful. Um, and it kind of counterintuitive to, to making this journey. So the idea is that the vehicle, um, you know, the motor, um, you know, the AC inverter, those components are going to live many lives. They'll go through many consumers hands. Um, but you know, every three to five years as the battery technology increases, uh, we're able to, to keep up with that technology and always offer the consumer, you know, something new, more range, more power, more connectivity, you know, like right now the norm is, uh, like 4g and 5g, but upcoming is satellite connectivity. And that would ensure that almost anywhere that you are, um, you know, you have a connected vehicle. So, you know, we're looking into that for kind of next generation vehicles and, we're always looking to, okay, well, we have good tech right now. Um, you know, we've got a good product, but what's next? Like, where is this going? And um, that's what's so exciting about a product like this is um, it's going to keep improving for the consumer over the life of, of the ownership. It's it's really exciting for us. You're right. Good points. Yeah, my uh, smartphone analogy didn't do so well because <laughs> you're right. The, the, the smartphone you've had to throw away every year or two, and this you're not. So big difference. Um, that's okay, Bruce. It was, I thought it was a good analogy, but <laughs> okay. Scott helped us. Scott helped us through that. Uh, Scott, I have a couple of follow-ups from things you said earlier. Number one, I know in your marketing, if I remember correctly, you showed somebody who um, was using the product, and then I believe the the person who was demonstrating it um, was sitting at a picnic table, and, and she might have been uh, powering her laptop or her cell phone, uh, smartphone, or doing all three things at once. Um, and it, it, did I have this image right that it's this multi-use uh, functionality uh, is a good thing? And also, I'm wondering if you see the RV market as a, a good area for people who might have one or two of these in their RVs since they weigh, you know, less than 200 pounds. Somebody could go to an RV park and, um, you know, tool around whether they're going fishing or for a, a little drive or into a little city for a bite to eat, whatever it might be. Is that going to be a... A good area, do you think, for RVers? Yeah, so that's uh, already an area that we're exploring. Um, and I'll, I'll pull the thread and maybe explain kind of where where things are moving. Because if you're not kind of deep into the um, you know, R&D space, it might not be so clear. Yes. So the entire RV industry is going through a pretty rapid decarbonization, um, which simply means you know, everything's run off of diesel or gas generators right now. Um, and the whole industry is moving away from that because the RVs have a gigantic roof, you know, sometimes 40 feet by eight or nine feet that, um, that you can put gigantic solar panels on. And when you can supplement or you, you know, you're not just running off a battery or, um, you know, connected to the grid, um, that really, really extends. And, you know, I don't think everyone's going to get rid of their generators, but um, as an avid camper, you know, tent, um, van, RV camper, um, solar panels have completely changed my ability to um, not have to put on our, our diesel generator in the RV. Yes. So um, RVs come with what are called start batteries and house batteries. So the house batteries are just that. They do everything that you need for you know, your lighting, um, you know, LEDs, any kind of um, anything you need in the, uh, the RV, you know, your fans, um, run all the electronics, your radio. Um, and we have a platform right now 
that can be plugged directly into the RV, um, you know, either char- charged off of the grid or charged off of solar, and then they can be simply uh, pulled out and used outside the vehicle or plugged into our um, vehicles. So that's an area that we're looking at. Um, you know, this idea that the energy be, can be used outside of the vehicle is is really interesting to us, and it's it's a way that we currently operate and function. Um, so yeah, so you you did see um, that's part of our plan is you know using the product for everything that it can be used for, and again that was a need. Um, so we took a, a vacation to go camping up to the mountains, but we're all running a company, right? And we were out in the e-bikes and the group's like, man, we really want to get this power and use it for all of our other stuff. You know, our lighting, uh, our cooking, you know, we want to use it to recharge our computers. Um, and that's really, again, I love to think that we're like really, really smart people, but a lot of this just came from needs from us using the product, you know, us giving the product to product testers and having them go out and say, well, what need did it fulfill and what need did it not? Um, and that's what you're really hitting on here. And that's what's so nice about these bikes with a swappable energy is, is it can be used for a multitude of things. And um, we even have in the newer packs, there's a direct solar uh, charge input. So you can throw a solar panel on the ground or plug into an existing um, solar bank and charge directly from solar as well. So um, yeah, you've kind of hit on, the bigger vision, which is around um, the energy, but the the focus right now is the the bikes, you know, the batteries inside the bikes, and scaling that. We do see how once you get into that and once you start using them that way, and you have the energy on you, it it's kind of second nature to then look for other opportunities to. Um, you know, be able to charge everything else that runs your life. There's a lot of opportunities for sure in that RV camping, tent camping, uh, lighting, and, uh, you know, drink mixers and stuff that you, <laughs> gadgets you could sell there. <laughs> That's right. Um, Scott, I, I should have you looked know, earlier, yeah. but um, could you take us through the uh, price points um, through this, uh, the, the, the various ones that you have? And um, I, I'm assuming that you will be at a Consumer Electronics Show. We'll be posting the the uh, podcast in a few days so it will give people a heads up that you'll be there i I believe it's in eureka hall at number 60901 is the booth number it's it's a giant um electronic show as you i'm sure you know but again it's um you guys are going to be at ces in las vegas uh it's uh, booth number or exhibit number 60901 so if people go to ces what will they see they will see all the different varieties that you have and and what do they cost? Sure. So uh, talk about cost first. So uh, our vehicles start um, around 7800 And I think you can option them out right now to around $11,000. Um, there's various options for batteries, racks, accessories, et cetera. Um, we do manufacture almost everything here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, from the chassis to almost all the components. So we are really focused on what we would consider good quality, good cost. Um, you know, this is really a, a value uh, company. So we're really interested in providing the consumer with a, a big value proposition. Um, what you're going to see at CES, we are launching our new app. 
So we do have a bunch of new functionality that we are going to uh, be releasing at CES. So that's pretty exciting to us. Uh, we will have the bikes there. We will have um, bike demos outside of the CES hall. So we do have, um, that's going to be limited to media only because we've had so many requests. Uh, and Las Vegas is just, you know, it's a gigantic strip. Um, but there are a few uh, media outlets that wanted to do demo rides. So we're going to be doing that. Um, the battery, um, the connected batteries are going to be there. So we're going to have quite a few of those on display. Um, and then we're just there to talk to people um, who want to know more or, um, you know, make industry connections. You know, we are building our U.S. manufacturing base and our U.S. tech base. So, um, you know, CES, this is the first time we're going there. As you mentioned, we're in Eureka Hall, which is kind of, actually, it's called Eureka Park, which is kind of the startup incubator space. And it's it's just really our first time there. Um, and we're just there to meet people, talk, and explain the tech a little bit. Be prepared. It's it's a lot of fun. And I'll, and I'll, it can get a little uh, chaotic, but it's chaotic in a good way. It's just, uh, as, a, as a media guy and as a consumer, it's just uh, you don't really know sometimes whether to turn left or right or go forward or go backwards because it's just so much. But um, it'll, be, it'll be really good for you guys. I'm sure you figured all that out, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a big success. And Scott, is your uh, did yeah, I did I I'm sorry. Uh, did you guys are making hand built ones at this point, and you haven't mass produced, or or what stage of manufacturing are you in? Sure. So we are are in full scale production. Okay. Uh, so we are scaling up right now. Uh, we are operating out of a fairly large factory in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not that they're being hand built. Um, there is a lot of hand labor even in mass production motorcycles. Um, it's that we're really doing almost everything in-house right now. So some of that we're going to shed. Um, we found some good U.S. manufacturers for our chassis and some other components. Um, we're going to keep the, you know, what we consider the high IP, the high kind of intellectual property items in-house, um, and where we can partner and help kind of extend, um, you know, we'll do that. But, no, we are in full-scale manufacturing so we're ramping up to be able to do 100 units a month here in 2023, um, and we're hoping to be well over 1,000 units by the end of 2023. That sounds fun. Have, have you ever seen anybody get off, a person demoing one of your bikes and get off and not have a smile on their face? <laughs> it very rarely happens. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't but, think, you unless know, they got scared or something. <laughs> we got a, a saying, butts on bikes. Um we get so many people that are like, Oh, I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle, but they scare the hell out of me. Um, and we get it right. A, a 450 CC is a 450 and it's got a clutch and you've got the throttle and the brake and you got a shift and you got a foot brake and it's every hand doing something. It's, it's complicated. Um, and it's a lot of power. So by throwing the district into ride mode one, we can get people on the vehicle and no matter what you do with that throttle, you could whap it wide open. You know, you're not going to do what they call whiskey throttle, right? You're not going to um, pull the front wheel up and, and head down the street. The bike will predictably um, and comfortably roll forward, and it, it gets you comfortable on two wheels. The bike's very lightweight. Um, it's got perfect rake and trail. Uh, very nimble, handles really well. And usually people who experience ride mode one then want to at least experience ride mode two to see kind of what it would feel like to be in moped mode. Um, 
and that that's the way that we've really um, we've been able to turn non-riders into riders comfortably with confidence and um, you know hundreds over and over again because um, it's such an approachable product and I mean that's really what the industry needs right now is kind of an entry point into riding motorcycles, uh, which we just, we don't really have in, in many, uh, many occasions. Yep. This sounds perfect. Scott, that's a, a perfect way. I think, um, thank you for all your expertise. It's a perfect way today to uh, wrap up with our guests on the weekly driver podcast, Scott Calissimo. He's the CEO of land energy and the company will be making its debut at the Consumer Electronics Show. The media days are uh, January 3rd and 4th. The, the show um, full-on begins on January 5th. And uh, again, this company will be in Eureka Park in number 60901. And Scott, hey, thanks a bunch for um, being our guest. I forgot to ask the URL if people want to go check it out. What is the website uh, URL address? It's pretty simple. It's just landmoto.io, L-A-N-D-M-O-T-O.io. Great. Thank you, friend, for your time today. Uh, we look forward to meeting you uh, at CES next month. Thanks for being our guest today. Awesome. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, thanks, Bye now. Scott.